Have you ever wondered who is responsible for the songs you hear on the radio? Thousands upon thousands of artists pour their hearts and souls into work that most people will never know even exists. What separates the hits? Every week, I sit down with the songwriters responsible for some of the biggest songs that sweep the world to find out, how did they get there? What was their journey? My name is Gary Young, and this is The Big Break. What happens when one of your songs is picked up by a superstar before you're even 20? That's exactly what happened to our guest this week on the podcast. Tammy Luttrell Harris is a multi-platinum, Grammy-nominated songwriter with an unbelievable resume of work under her belt. She started out singing and performing with girl groups in her teens, and when she was just 18 years old, one of her songs was picked up by Whitney Houston. That propelled her through college to an entrepreneurial life as a digital marketer, a music industry educator, and a songwriter. She's since worked with R&B superstars Monica and Keisha Cole, as well as artists like Love and Theft and Chameleonaire. She has a YouTube channel with hundreds of thousands of followers and is an executive at The Labs, a platform that helps artists manage the rights and protections of their work. She is our guest this week on The Big Break, Tammy Luttrell. So today I have Tammy Luttrell here on the show. And Tammy is a multi-platinum Grammy-nominated songwriter who's written for artists like Whitney Houston, Monica, and the country duo Love and Theft. Tammy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So Tammy, the, the big break is about how songwriters like yourself got started in their career. But I want to go back, and I want to go back to perhaps the early days of your life. And when did you start getting into music, not professionally, but just into making music, writing music? Like, how old were you? What were you doing? Oh, man. Well, music was my first love. Um, I remember being as young as maybe like five or six years old watching BET. Okay. There was a show called Video Soul, and um, I just remember watching Donnie Simpson, who hosted the show. He would literally come into my living room every night before I went to bed and I would sit on the floor in the living room and just, I felt like he was talking to me. I watched all of the videos of all of the coolest songs that were out in the eighties during that time. And, um, I remember watching Whitney Houston and was like, Oh my God, she's beautiful. And I'm going to be her one day. I'm going to meet her. I'm going to, you know, she, she gave me, you know, possibility. She was an example of what my life could possibly be in some way. Um, and then I also took an affinity um, to music because uh, I come from a musical background. My dad, um, he's a pastor and an entrepreneur, but he also um, played the bass guitar and he sang a lot in groups and stuff. And he and my mom actually met in high school and they also sang in a band together. Um, okay. My mom, she's you know, she was a singer and performer. She was like the lead major red in high school, so they wear all the sparkly outfits and stuff. <laughs> she would show pictures of you know to me um, of you know her early days, and so I just always took an affinity for music and you know showmanship and performance and that sort of thing. So by the time I got in elementary, I was playing in a band. Um, by the time. What, what would you call? What'd you call the band? Your elementary school band? Oh well, we, it was just a school band, like the okay, the school band, band. okay, school. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I played the clarinet and I learned how to read music, and um, you know, I did that up until I got to middle school. I played like my first year 
Um, but then I started doing a lot of talent shows. And like my first talent show, I sung Back and Forth by Aaliyah. <laughs> oh, nice. And okay. I just loved Aaliyah. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I love her. Who is this chick? You know, she's like so down to earth. I was a bit of a tomboy. I could relate. You know, I was competitive, always hung around the guys. Um, and you know, I was the one climbing the trees and playing basketball and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> just to have like a female who kind of like, you know, was embodied like, the norm and embodied yeah. that she was young, like myself. So I really took to Aaliyah and Mary J. Blige and, you know, those were just, you know, that, that was who I looked to as a part of inspiration. But of course I grew up on like Shaka Khan. Um, Anita Baker, Luther Vandross, mm-hmm. um, of course, Whitney. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, by the time I got in middle school, I mean, uh, towards the end of middle school, I, like I said, was very competitive. So I also was an athlete. I played ball. I played basketball, um, yeah. starting shooting guard. Oh, and then, all right. A multi-threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, full of activity, full of activity and energy all the time. Um, and then once I got to high school, I thought I think that's what got it because I was like singing a lot, but I got I would get asked to be in girl groups and stuff. So people knew that I could sing around town. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Okay. And um and so yeah, I was singing at a family reunion and then next thing you know, the family reunion turned into an audition to be in a girl group. Okay. And I got in the girl group and we ended up getting signed to an indie label that was also backed by, at the time, BET had a record label called Fully Loaded. And Mm -hmm. so I got in that girl group and we were like going on like a small tour, you know, like doing different events and stuff, performing. And And this is all around Houston or like around Texas? Yeah, this is around around Houston Houston and like the Texas area. We did a few tours like in uh, the outskirts, different cities and stuff. And I think our song was played on the radio a few times too. Ooh, all so right. once that happened, it was kind of like, oh my goodness, like this could actually be real. And so yeah. the group disbanded and I just kind of wanted to do my yeah. own thing. Um, I was already like writing and there weren't a lot of songwriters in Houston mm-hmm. that were, you know, writing to the level of, you know, what I would be hearing on the radio, you know, yeah, and would be oh, yeah. hearing on on some of my best out al- the, the the greatest albums that I would listen to. So, um, I just started writing my own stuff, and um, as I wrote with the girl group, you know, once I got became a solo artist, I started working and writing on my own as as well, and I signed with another indie label as a solo artist, and I was doing a little bit of singing and rapping, and um, yeah. were you still in high school? I was still in high school. I was like oh, in man. my final year of high school, okay. probably like when I was like 17. So like my senior year, I had already left the group and I was just ready to just focus on me full time as an artist. What did your parents think? I mean, they were musical, but did they did they want you to go down this path or were oh, they supportive man. or like how did that how did that play out? You know, my mom would always tell me stuff like I never worry about you. Like you you've always from the time you were younger, you always had a focus. I made good grades and I just, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I had my little rebellious stage. I think every teenager goes through it where you just don't want to oh, listen yeah. to what your parents are talking about. You're like, yeah, whatever. They're always but, wrong. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're wrong when you're a teenager. Right. So mm-hmm. I went through that phase, but they were so open to me and supportive of me pursuing music. It was like, 
look, go for it. Um, and do what you have to do. Just be careful, be safe, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, that's huge. Yeah. So they're, they're not like my, Tammy be an accountant. No, right. No, go no, after no. it. No. And, and like I said, my dad, he's an entrepreneur. He and my mom divorced when I was like five. My mom had already remarried and he had remarried. So we just had a community of like, I just had a community of double the parents, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had two moms and two dads and they were supportive of my journey along the way. My dad was in entertainment as well. He managed a few artists. He also managed my little brother who also was a rapper. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so it was just support on both sides. But one thing that I do appreciate the most is that they believed in me enough to kind of let me get my own feel of the industry in you know, even though I was a woman, a, a young girl at the time who was evolving into a woman, they also still saw that I had power and responsibility, you know? Yeah. And no, that's so, huge. Yeah. And I think that's what instilled a lot of courage in me to keep going because, like, I never really had, like, a full-time manager who was just, like, guiding my career. I kind of just felt my way around it and and just set my boundaries. Um, I didn't really get involved in, like, a lot of personal relationships with people I did business with. Um, I just really stay focused on the fact that I wanted to sing and, 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 and rap and perform. And, and I had my dancers, I had my little crew and that was just what we were focused on. But, you know, like I said, that entrepreneur background and my father and my grandparents have also, um, that really to me set the foundation for like the decisions that I made in business. Yeah. 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 And so, so you're in, you're in, uh, coming to the end of high school. Mm-hmm. You're signed to this indie label. Was the indie label in um, Houston? In Houston too. Yep. Yeah, okay. they were in Houston, and um, they primarily had a lot of rappers on the label. Okay. Um, they were new to the city, and you know while, what made you pick them? You know what? One of my them? one of my rap one of my rap friends, homeboys, god brother, whatever you want to label them at the time. Yeah. Um, he was he was kind of like a he served as a great mentor for me. He actually taught me a lot about, you know, song structure at the base level when you just have no clue of what the hell you're doing. Yep. And, you know, he would like come up with hooks and we would rap on certain songs together. He would write rhymes for me just to see if I could like replicate what he was <laughs> doing. Okay. Um, and then he signed to them and I saw what they were doing for him. And I was like, well, wow, you know, if they could finish his album and, you know, get his project out and he's going on tour now. And, you know, I was featured on some of the songs, then surely, you know, they could do something, you know, like that for me. And so it seemed to be a good opportunity at the time. Um, I just, over time, I started realizing that, you know, we had different goals and, you know, I was only 17, but I kind of was the person that was I wouldn't, I wouldn't say kind of, let me not downplay it. I was the person that when I saw a problem, I addressed it and mm-hmm. I wasn't fearful that I was surrounded by men. You know, yeah. I, I, I definitely, you know, wasn't trying to be a man, but at the same time I was like, if I don't have me, then who's going to have my back? You know, I have to have my back, you know? Yeah. And, and you can't like, let anybody push you around. Absolutely. I mean, no and time and time again, they will, they'll try, you know, they'll try to mm-hmm. bully you and, you know, tell you that you don't know anything, but I was the one that asked questions. I was the one that was kind of like the rebel at heart, you know, and I've always been that way when I kind of think about it. I've always wanted to go left when everybody was going right to a fault, not necessarily 
because I just wanted to be the bad girl. I just kind of felt like, well, if that's already a lane that's being taken, let me just try something different. Let me just try to see how I can be unique and different. And, um, you know, I just felt like I was a leader very early on without an entire crowd, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't, I wasn't happy there and I ended up leaving so what what were you happy about? I mean, the artistic direction, the advice they were giving you. Um, I just exposure. think it was more of the environment. Um, it was a little bit toxic and just unhealthy. And there were a few things that happened that, you know, uh, made me feel unsafe and also made me feel like I was with people whose motives were not really um, in the place where we were in alignment. Mm. Um. For lack of better words, I would say that I think they were just trying to get in the business, knew that there was a possibility because the money was there, but really just didn't know, you know, just didn't know all the intricacies and stuff that's needed and necessary to run a full label, you know, and neither did I, but I just felt like it just wasn't right. And I'm a, I'm a feeler. Like I'm very big on intuition. I'm guided by you know, things that I feel, you know, from a very young age, I knew that I had intuition and, and I had a a special gift of dreams and, you know, foreseeing the future and stuff like that. Just really whimsical, you know, if you want to call it mystical. Mystical, yeah. Yeah, I think mystical is a better word. And so, um, if I don't feel something, I'm just not going to force it. I'm really big on flow. And if, if, you know, if it flows to me and it comes to me and it's great and it's good for me and it's healthy, then I'll go with it. But if it starts seeing, seeing, seeming unhealthy and just, you know, just some people that might right, be people might be a little nefarious when you didn't think they were at the beginning. You're like, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. So now. So so you so you leave that situation, you get mm-hmm. out of that deal. Mm-hmm. And and then like what are you thinking like okay what do I do next like, yeah what, I'm what like oh my god like I, I put in my release um, I had just had to attend an award ceremony at my church shout out to the Fountain of Praise in Houston um, right. <laughs> I, I've been going there since I you know since I was like twelve and like I was really under great leadership still am you know just from a distance because I'm, you know, remote now, but, mm-hmm. um, my pastor and, 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 um, first lady who's also our pastor, she, they, they gave us a lot of support in education. And, um, I just applied for a scholarship for the, um, you know, for our scholarship program in education. And I ended up attending the award ceremony, just going because, I needed to be there and I know I had submitted my application, but I had no clue that I would get like a full scholarship to go to college. And I, I graduated what? with like a 4.1 GPA. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That is awesome. So just imagine sitting in a congregation and you just like seeing everybody get their awards and, you know, they're honoring all these different students and stuff. And I'm just kind of like in my own world, just being the creator that I am, just not even really thinking about it. But, you know, they're like, you know, in our pastor's award for you know, academic achievement, whatever the spill was. And he's like, you know, Tammy Latrell Harris. And I'm like, what? oh my God. <laughs> so, so I go up, I accept my award. I'm like, wow, I just got a full scholarship to go to school. And then I also get a call from another program at the university. Shout out to Texas Southern University, HBCU. That's my alma mater. There you go. There um, you go. They notified me that, you know, they looked at my my grades and um, from high school and wanted to offer me a, a, a scholarship in computer science for their upcoming STEM program. STEM wasn't really as big as it is now, but they were really trying to, like, 
you know, fund um, programs for minorities um, in the areas of technology, mathematics, you know, computer science and, yeah. and so forth. And so um, I got offered that and I took it. I was like, well, you know, one door closed, another, another one opens. Open. You yeah, know, my, my parents go. are happy. They're like, yes, she's going to college. You know, they didn't attend college. So they were like, yes, our firstborn is going. And yeah. so I just oh, literally moved into my dorm. I got immersed in HBCU life and, you know, really lived on campus to just have that whole college experience my freshman year. And then my mom calls me and she's like, Hey, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm good in my dorm cleaning up. And she's like, um, so I was listening to the radio and Whitney Houston is on the radio singing a song that you wrote when you were assigned to this label. Did you hear it? What? And I was no like, way. what? <laughs> I was like, mom, you're joking. And, she, and I know she, I mean, a part of me knew that she was telling the truth because she is my number one fan. She knows all of my songs. I mean, I literally just talked to her over the July 4th weekend um, on Skype. And she was in the backyard playing some of my old songs, dancing to it like it just came out. You know? <laughs> she was like, girl, we're having a good time. We're having a pool party. And I was just like, okay. She's like, you hear that in the background? And so I know my mom, she knows my songs, you know, so I, yeah. I was like, okay, she definitely is telling the truth, but how in the world did this happen? So I'm just like freaking out. Like I fell in your room. dorm room. I fell oh my dorm room on the carpet <laughs> in the middle of the, in my room, like on the floor, like what? What? She's like, yeah. Like, have you talked to any of them? Like, I can't believe this. Like, you know, and so I started after I got the phone with her, I just, I was just like trying to grasp it all in. I was excited because it's Whitney Houston, but I was like confused because I'm like, how in the world did this happen? Yeah. And so I ended up making some phone calls and I found out that after I left the label, they started shopping my records and they found out that Whitney, you know, was looking for new music for her project. Um, and they flew out to Miami and got in with the producer that I had actually produced the song that I had actually wrote the song with. And, um, you know, he produced the track and, and yeah, they, they camped out and she heard my song and felt like, you know, she could relate to it because she was, you know, very heavy and, you know, a lot of, you know, the substance abuse and stuff at that time. And she had a lot of stuff going on legally with Bobby and it was just a mm. really it wasn't the best it was a dark time. period for her. She was, it was she definitely was, a dark period. Yeah. God bless her soul. Like I think yeah. she's, she forever will always be my angel and in, in my own way, just because she, she meant so much to me throughout my entire life. But at that time, you know, it was just really hard for her. And yeah. however, she gravitated to my record. It was called what you looking at. Um, I was, writing it about a time where I was with my boyfriend and we were in the club and it was some girls that were hating on us. And, you know, they were just like, I am me and my man. And I was just like, girl, what you looking at? You know, (laughs) I literally came home and just wrote the song, you know, because, you know, being a singer songwriter at that age and I was around a lot and I got exposed to a lot. So I was at the clubs a lot and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff, but I carried myself with so much poise and so much grace and, you know, I never wanted to have myself out there looking crazy. So 
I just didn't get caught up in a lot. And, you know, I was kind of, I'm the type that, you know, once I'm with somebody, I'm with them, you know? So mm-hmm. I was just really loyal to my man at that time. And I was just like, what you looking at? You know, you're trying to mess with me and my man, you know? <laughs> and, that's, and so that's the song. And so like, yeah. instead of getting crazy at the club, you just went home and channeled that. I just that. went home and channeled it into a song. I mean, I literally do that as often as I can. Like, I just try to like take it and put it into a song. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to entertain anything else. Like, nothing else deserves my energy but my creativity you know like that gets all of my energy so so that was the mindset I had and you know I finally started calling around and I found out that they had actually sold the song to her for like a lot of money and um they didn't let me know about it because I had left the label so because I left the label I was no longer a part of it and they thought that they owned the masters but what they didn't know is that I actually owned the original copyright to all my songs Oh man. So So then what happened? What did you do? So I got on the phone and I started making some phone calls and I knew a few people who knew a few people and I got in touch with the team over at Arista and um now I'm 18 years old by this time, right? So oh gosh, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're a freshman in college. Oh my God. So, so then I got in touch with the CEO and he was just like, look, Tim, let's like, let's have a, let's have a talk because at this point he knows now, like you have to have a conversation with me because I have the certificate that I own this record. So really nothing can happen with this song if I go and put a dispute on it, you know? Yep. And so if I file a dispute, then that means nobody gets paid. And the record label doesn't want that, right? Because this is a money, it's an opportunity to make money. So um yeah, I had a I had a sit down with them, very mature conversation, you know. Um, and I just, you know, just told them, you know, it wasn't cool. You know, you could have reached out. I know we ain't we're not talking and we're not on that level, but again, what do I know? I'm 18 years old, I'm a young woman, you know, that probably doesn't have as much money as he has and comes from the background that he has. So again, I felt like I had to defend myself and speak up for myself and be the underdog and ask those questions. And then finally it just got to the point where I was like, look, let's just do a, a even split, you know, that way everybody gets fairly paid and we can just move on with our lives. And, you know, I'll never have to speak to you again. You'll never have to speak to me again. Like, let's just, just, it's just, just he and I in Cheesecake Factory, just having a meeting. <laughs> nice. You know? Was it? Were you in? Uh, were you in Atlanta, New York? I was in Houston. Houston. I was in Houston. Houston. Okay. Yeah, Cheesecake Factory <laughs> is at the Galleria, and nice. so you know, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I walk. I've always seen myself walking with so much power. Um, there was a just to end a side note. There was this. Um, I was watching this video with with Oprah one time, and she mentioned something about like having angels around her. No, she, she, she said that she stands on the shoulders of everyone who stood, who came before her. And I didn't really understand how to put that into words. But after I saw her say that on, I think it was super soul Sunday or something. Mm -hmm. I literally was like, that's how I feel. Like when I walk in a room, I bring everything with me. Like I felt like Every angel who could be my guardian angel, every spirit guide, every ancestor, every person who came before me that fought for creators' rights or just fought for the rights of just humans, period, just a human right. Like that energy is what I have with me when I go anywhere, when I walk into a room. I believe in being fair to people, you know, being honest, 
and being just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not perfect, but I just feel like I don't just go around intentionally trying to hurt people and trying to like do bad deals and stuff like that. So that's the energy I came with when I spoke with him. And so I'm like 18 years old talking to 40 something year old man who has like all this money and, you know, wearing shoes that, you know, I definitely know I didn't even know the name of them, you know, (laughs) and couldn't pronounce the name of them. But I just looked at him with respect and honor. But at the same time, I I wanted him to look at me the same way. You know, like I actually created that song from scratch. Like that song came from me inside of me, came from a different place, you know. So like give me mine. And so, yeah. So So long story short. So so like. We ended up making all the paperwork, you know, we ended up adjusting the paperwork. I got on on a conference with um, with with Arista and, you know, we all did our 33 and a third share split. And um, and so and that's what it was. I mean, we went on and the album went on to go platinum. And what? this is crazy. So wait, now, did they now how long did it take from when you sat with him at the Cheesecake Factory to come into a deal, like, did they push back on you? Did they say, like, Oh, no. Tammy. It was, like, the next day. It was, like, the next what? day. It was man, the next they... day because her album had already, the, the single had already released. So it was, oh, like, man. it was already, okay. the, the money had already been sent out for all of the nationwide burns. Of course, internationally, she was having a whole movement. You know, like, everybody loves Whitney. Like, no matter what, she is still Whitney Houston. She is the voice. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, it, it had already been an investment put in on her. The album was already being promoted for its release and all that stuff. So for them to find out that the first single could possibly have a dispute on it from some young girl in Texas who wrote the song, it was like, oh, no, 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 oh. we got to fix this like now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, man. So, yeah. So you went in and like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I just did what I had to do. I bossed up. And if that's what you want to call it. And and I and I had that conversation and then I did the conference call with them like literally the next day. And then that was it. Like once I started, my registration had been approved because I was already with ASCAP and I saw that that was added to my catalog. I was like, oh, OK, I'm cool. Now I can I can chill now and get back to business with these grades in school, you know, in college. Oh, so wait, you're, you're a freshman <laughs> in college, you're going back to school and you're in the dorm, but you also have a third you own a third of Whitney Houston's current single so like yeah how did you so like you're like I'm just gonna like was there a temptation at that point to be like I'm going all in on music and bounce or like what like what were you thinking um you know I, I I'm I'm the type of person once I make a commitment to something I stick with it and I promised my parents that I would finish college. I promised them because like I said, they didn't go Mm -hmm. and they were like, you know, this would mean so much to us if you could just like still work on your music, you know, but just don't forget about your education. You know, you need something to try to, you know, to, to maybe fall back on just in case, you know? And I was just like, all right, I'll do it for y'all, you know? And so that's what I did. I, I, I was still singing. I was still working as a solo artist that definitely, you know, having the Whitney Houston placement definitely got me into a lot of places just by me saying, you know, I'm a writer now. Cause that's what really like stamped me as a songwriter here. I am thinking I'm an artist and really didn't understand the, the, the value, the intrinsic value of being a music creator where you're just like writing songs and, building you know and and, mm-hmm. and pulling things i always say pulling things from from the sky because i believe everything you know uh source gives me god gives me um and so i'm just like wow i'm really like working this thing out at a very young age and songwriting is like now my new title so now i'm not walking in just as an artist but she's also 
a songwriter, you know, who's written for Whitney Houston. So it really helped, um, like I said, get indoors. And then I ended up uh, meeting a producer by the name of E. Poppy, who produced Dangerously in Love and produced some stuff for Missy Elliott. He was in Houston also. He lived in the suburbs big massive houses at the time you know oh, like yeah. oh yeah you know he's living he's already yeah. on and doing his thing and i got introduced to him because he had been looking for a songwriter locally in the city and there was just like i said it was really scarce out there and someone told him about me we ended up uh meeting and it was just like chemistry from day one um he became like a big brother his wife and i are great friends you know we just started like building catalog and i would literally be at school probably like monday wednesday and friday tuesday and thursday i would be at his house like working all day from like sun up to sundown then i'll head back you know to my dorm on campus and then then it became like oh we got real good chemistry i'm sending stuff up to my publishing company they're really liking what we're doing let's keep it going so then it became like every day after school, I'm driving out to Lake Olympia, you know, and that's like mm-hmm. a 35 minute drive, you know. So I'm like doing that for for months and we're just building catalog. And at the time there was no, you know, sending MP3 and WAV files. So we were like literally recording, mixing, mastering down and then sending the records out via FedEx by 7 p.m. You know, like yep. got to hit the window, right? Yeah, you got to <laughs> hit that window. I mean, like it was it was like song after song after song so we built a great catalog and then next thing you know um i got a phone call from him and sean tubby holiday who you know now is over at sony um and has done you know a lot of great projects sean is you know he's definitely a force to be reckoned with in the industry um but at the time he was working on the big john the big john platform. oh yeah and so um sean was like yo you know we're interested, you know, in, you know, having you fly out to LA. Um, I'm going to fly in. I want to meet you. So forth. You know, let's try to see what we could do to offer you a deal. But I just want to kind of check out and see how you, how you actually write, you know, in, in work in real life. And, and so after that, you know, they were impressed and then they scheduled my flight for me to go meet and sit with Big John. And we had, you know, lunch and, you know, he was impressed that I was still in school and he was just like, man, you know, like I, I see what you're doing and, you know, for you to have done this, you know, at such a young age and you're still working hard and you're still, you know, trying to make your parents proud. Like I just, you know, I got respect for you. And that was commendable because I didn't even know how big he was at the time. I was just like, whoa, you know, I'm in L.A., you know, having lunch with this, you know, this guy who's trying to offer me, you know, this crazy deal. And so, yeah, they offered me a publishing deal, a co-pub deal. And, um, yeah, I... And so you just said yes right away? Or did you think about it? Or or how did you... I didn't really understand what it meant. And so I got back to Houston and had a talk with with E. Poppy. His his, his real name is Errol. And he kind of outlined, you know, the pros and cons of having a deal, you know, knowing that they'll be getting a percentage of my publishing, um, a percentage of my copyright. You know, I kind of was like, I don't know about that. But, you know, at the same time, I looked at the, the pros of it. Right. Like so I'll be in this elite group of songwriters and producers that the record labels are seeking out. I get a chance yeah. to like, you know, meet and have all these great relationships. We're traveling a lot because they fly us, you know, all over the country to work with, you know, different artists. Um it was it just became a whole idea of 
sometimes you have to make a sacrifice to get where you're ultimately trying to go. Um, But then it's also about networking and relationships. And there's no way I would be able to build those relationships being in Houston, because unfortunately, at that time, it just wasn't really a bed for music, at least the type of music and the quality of music that I was making um, on the R&B side, you know, like, yeah. And and so you just have to look at it for what it is. Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to stay within only the culture of Houston, which is our screw culture? We love screw. I mean, it's, it's a culture in its own. Like it is who we are as Houston natives. If you came up in that era, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I had respect for not only the ghetto boys, not only, um, you know, the screwed up click and, and, and um, DJ Screw and Kiki and everybody that came out of that movement, in addition to Bun and, and Pimp C and the whole Swisher House era, you know, but yeah. that. But that was, wasn't you. That, that wasn't just you. wasn't my lane. And nah. I wasn't going to force it. I wasn't going to force it. Like I had to go with what flowed. Like I said, I'm a flow type person. I don't force. Yeah. So um, I literally made the decision to go for it and get on, on more, you know, have the opportunity to get on more major projects. And so. That's exactly what I did. I took the deal. I had a great attorney out in New York. They orchestrated the deal for me to where all of the stuff that I'd done prior to my deal with EMI would still be my sole ownership. So they didn't bring in any of the Whitney Houston catalog. Like none of that was on. And most publishing companies don't do that. They want all of your stuff. Everything. Yeah. But I was like, I was very adamant about making sure that everything that I'd done prior to the pub deal would be mine you know and so and so yeah I negotiated a fair you know deal at the time um and 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 we we went forward with that and from there um Big John placed um my next placement on Keisha Cole's Just Like You album I did a record called Falling Out that actually that project went platinum and got nominated for a Grammy Mm -hmm. and so um from there I just started working and traveling and I was still in college and I maintained and then um I moved to Atlanta in 06 and graduated college. I graduated college in August, moved to Atlanta in October. And I just started working and just, you know, really hitting the pavement hard. And and then from there, that's when the Keisha Cole placement came like a year after that. Because I was like fully focused on music. All right, let's take a quick break so we can tell you about something very cool. A few weeks ago at Royalty Exchange, we launched a new tool called Know Your Worth. Know Your Worth is a free app for songwriters, producers, and artists that allows you to get an advance in 90 seconds on your back catalog. We have paid out more than $1 million in advances since we launched this tool. So if you want to check it out, go to worth.royaltyexchange.com. That's worth.royaltyexchange.com. It's completely free. You can find out how much you can get in advance in a minute and a half.
yeah, after that, um, love happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, I fell in love with my college sweetheart, and things really didn't go well in college because I was really just so focused on my career. He was focused on his sports and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just went our separate ways. But once I got to Atlanta, it was just kind of like, hey, girl, I miss you, girl. I need you, girl. <laughs> You know, it was just yep. like, I'm trying yeah. to move on. I'm trying I to miss get my life too, together. Though. I but miss I you miss too. too. <laughs> I just hate that this happened and we were so great. And so I decided to move back home. What? And yeah, so like. You really caught, you really liked it, huh? Well, well let me let, let me be <laughs> all the way transparent with you. I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Got it. Because he came up here into to Atlanta and. Yep. I didn't know we were going to make a baby, but we did. And, you know, hey, I was just like, like I said, once I'm committed, I'm in. You're in. You're in. Yeah. So I I made the choice. I was like, you know, I have no family in in Atlanta. Um, My god brother, Sean, he's out here. But I'm like, at the end of the day, you know, he's getting me in all these different sessions and stuff like that at the time he was working under sylvia universal so you know i had a lot of connects and relationships so one of the hardest things was coming to him telling him like yo bro i gotta go i'm pregnant i'm moving back to houston you know and he's just like what are you what are you moving back to houston for like there's nothing there and i was just like i know i know i know but my family's there but my family like I've never been a mother before like I'm stepping into a whole nother realm I want my baby I want my relationship like I just gotta do it you know what I'm saying and so um yeah so I ended up just just sticking with it and I moved back it was really hard um but I I just I made the sacrifice and Moved back to Houston. Family totally welcomed it. You know, we have a great support system back home. Uh, and, and so uh, my boyfriend at the time became my fiance and we ended up getting married and just having a huge, you know, wedding and all that stuff. And and so, yeah, now I'm a mom and now I'm a wife and, and I'm, you're in Houston. I, I'm yep. in Houston. I have my studio set up in our house. We just got this huge house in Pearland in the suburbs and. You know, we're just like living, you know, and, and like I still got my pub deal. So money is still there, you know, so that's not an issue, you know. Yep. And and so I'm just doing things differently now. Now I'm just going to have to like adjust to being a mom, adjust to being a wife, adjust to being, you know, this songwriter um, and 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 just, you know, just just divvy it up. And I'm like, look, my mom had four kids and she made it happen. She was a mom. She was a wife. She worked in corporate America. Like if she could do it, I could do it. My grandmother, she has seven kids, you know, and she worked four jobs. So I'm like, I could do this. Like I could do this. Yeah. I'm good. So, you know, it it, it 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 was it was hard at the time. What was the hardest part? What was the hardest part of that adjustment? Man, um, you know, just when you have children, like nothing else matters. Like, yeah, you start looking at life from another dimension because now every decision that you make is predicated upon the effect that it will have on your child. You know, yeah. And I'm and I'm a cancer. Like, I'm I'm such a nurturer. I'm such a mom at heart. I'm such a hands on. You know, I mean, Makai slept on me like for like the entire first two, maybe even three years of her life. 
Oh man. You know, like she yeah. was so attached to me and her dad. I mean, we had just such a loving bond with being parents. It wasn't even about us anymore as a relationship. And clearly, I mean, we're not together anymore, but we're great friends. We're great co-parents, but we just fell into, we fell in love with being parents and loving and raising this child to be just the best decent human being that she could be while we're her parents, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, it was like the greatest gift. So I think that was the hardest part because something is is going to be affected. And so my music was affected. My relationships were affected. I had to do everything via email now. I couldn't just fly out when I needed to. Um, I supported You had to be more more deliberate about it. Yeah, I I had to plan everything. I mean, you can't just get up and be like, I need to write a song. You can't get up at like two, three in the morning now because now you're you're like exhausted from like making bottles and changing pampers and like <laughs> and, and your baby sleeping on you. Yeah, my baby <laughs> sleeping on me. Like you know, you yeah. don't want to wake her up. You want to get a good night's sleep because when she's sleeping, you know, you know, you kind of need to catch up on your sleep. You know. Yep. And yeah. so I was just like, man, what am I gonna do? And so, long story short, um, I I kind of didn't want to live off of royalties and just money. I felt like I needed to like start having more income coming in. And I was like, really, I'm always like creative and trying to develop and create stuff. And I found um, another affinity with, you know, using my skill set of like journalism and PR and media and designing websites. So one of my homeboys in Houston, his name's Orbit. He's a huge video uh, videographer. He He's back and forth from like Atlanta and, and, and stuff. He does logos and everything like he he designed like the young money logo and like he's just really really super 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 creative like so super creative he's on a whole nother planet and so um he and i went into business with each other and started this um this brand this website blog brand before blogs were even really popping so this is like this had to have been like maybe like oh oh eight maybe Um, we started a brand called Orbis world and it was just like a blog where like you could go to the club, we take your photos, we put the pictures on the, on the, on the blog. Then you would also come there and there were like the beautiful models and stuff there, you know, a lot of eye candy. And then (laughs) I was like writing all the news and gossip of like, of, you know, what was currently going on in hip hop and, and entertainment news and stuff like that. Since I just, I was in that world, you know? Oh yeah. And so it just became like a passion, but it still was like making money for us at the same time while I'm writing songs on the side and singing hooks for people. And while I'm like building relationships with people at the radio stations and stuff like that. And so then I got an opportunity to work at, um, a staffing agency for a little bit just to kind of like get some money coming in like that was consistent yeah. because you know you got a house royalties. now you got yeah, royalties yeah. they come quarterly i'm like look i can't even <laughs> depend on this like i need something like consistent yeah. um i ended up uh working there with orbit but then i got offered to work at radio one houston they had a radio station that didn't have really a, d- a digital division that was making money. And at the time, blogging and all that stuff was just really different for the terrestrial radio era. It was just kind of yeah. like, what? Like, And they didn't really get it. They're like, wait, what is no. this? Yeah. No. So I had all that skill set from like selling ads on our own website to like making sure the photographers were turning in their photos on time so people could come back and download their photos. Like we had just created this whole culture of like people coming to our site. And um, and so then they asked me to come and be a part of their digital team and just launch it. And I was like, cool. So I ended up doing some interviews and they really wanted me on a sales team. But I was just like, no, nah, I want to be a little bit more creative. 
and, and do more original stuff. And so I started that division in Houston um, and, and just meshed really well with the program director, Terry Thomas and the Mad Hatter Morning Show. We just got really, really immersed in building the brands. And so then I picked up the hip hop station. The, well, I had already had to pick up the hip hop station, but I picked up the Urban AC station. And then the gospel station, which was praise. And I think Yolanda Adams morning show was on at that time. And then it was like, wow, she's like driving traffic and numbers. Cause I was doing all this different news about what's current currently going on and running our contests and promos. Instead of people just listening to them on air, they listen to them online. And so it's just really like a whole nother world that's bringing in money for the company. And so then they were like, well, we want you to take on a Dallas market. We want you to take on St. Louis. We want you to take on, you know, a few oh, other man. markets. So, like, so you got to gr- grow this e- elsewhere. Yeah. So like within Whoa. five years, I had acquired like three other markets and became regional online editor. And then after those five years, things just started getting really tumultuous in my marriage. And I just was like, you know, I really miss writing. I really miss the creative process of being in the studio. Yeah. And I loved Atlanta, always have hated when I left And I just decided to move back. And I was just like, you know, it's going to be hard because now I'm moving back as a single mom. And I didn't really have an idea of how much money was going to be coming in. But I told my manager who was in New York that, you know, hey, I'm going to be leaving Houston, going to be moving to Atlanta. I do have this skill set of digital content and management. So I may take it and go to another radio station and possibly find me a job. And he was like, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) <laughs> he was like nah you staying with us like no 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 see he was like you know ricky uh smiley morning show they need someone like you um i want to promote you i'm going to give you a ten thousand dollar raise i want to uh, it was like you know ten thousand dollars above my salary raise i also yeah. want to promote you in to a national producer role and i do want you to work with ricky's team to help our New York team get their content, you know, produced as fast as possible so we can grow his social media. And I was like, whoa, the Ricky Smiley Morning Show? Like, that's like syndicated in like everywhere. 20-something markets, you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to give you the opportunity. I think you bust, you know, bust your butt these last five years, you know, like you've really been kicking some ass, you know, like let's just make it, you know, um, official. And so I came I uh, started looking for apartments and stuff. And then one of my songwriter friends was like, hey, you thinking about moving to Atlanta? And I'm like, yes. He's like, I said, I got an offer. No, 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 no. I just told him that I was moving to Atlanta. I hadn't even I hadn't even gotten my offer yet. I just was like stepping out on faith. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to make this happen. Move back to Atlanta. I'm going to make yeah. this happen. And he was like, well, hey, I got a situation. I got a condo here that I need to lease out. And, um, you know, if you want it, go ahead and put the deposit on it and I'll just, I'll make sure I save it for you. He was, I say, well, when is the soonest I can move in? He was like April 1st. So I was like, okay, all right, cool. So we did the agreement, paid my deposit over lunch. I flew back to Houston, started wrapping everything up. And then I had the conversation with my manager, Sam in, in, in New York. And he was just like, all right, cool. So I got the paperwork back. Everybody wants to move forward. Um, and we want to offer you the role, but you're going to need to be in Atlanta April 1st. What? <laughs> so it was the same exact day that I had to move into my apartment that I was getting a job in Atlanta oh full time to be able to support me and my daughter as a single yeah. mom. <laughs> so. Whoa. So now, now why, why did you want to move back to Atlanta? I mean, did you, 
did you want to get back into the, the, the music? music yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, I was like, I was, it was calling me. Like when I moved there in 06, I mean, you got to remember like money was, was great. The industry was great. There was had popping. not been a change in the climate of yeah. the industry. Streaming was not here. So everything was traditional sales. Mechanical royalties were great. I mean, I literally would go to the studio sometimes and I would already have like two stacks sitting at the table before I even got busy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before I yep. even started writing songs, I had people that were actually investing in my time to just come and sit in for hours and create with them. So that was my last memory of it. And I came back time and to get back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, unbeknownst to me, obviously the industry had completely changed and crashed by that time, you know, come, come 08, 09, like the the country was in a recession, you know, the yeah. music industry was in shambles, you know, there were bailouts everywhere in the economy. And it was just, I didn't really put two and two together of how much it was affecting the industry until I got back to Atlanta. And I started seeing that the climate had changed. A lot of the publishing companies had left, including mine. We didn't have an office here anymore. Um, and we were going through an acquisition between Sony ATV buying EMI because, you know, EMI Music Publishing was who I had been with forever under the direction of John Platt. So now it's like John is leaving and going to Warner Chapel. This is all when I'm moving back. Oh, man, He's the going. chaos. The chaos. Yes. So I'm yeah. like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm moving to Atlanta. I got a place. It's me and my daughter. We're having to adjust. You know, I'm nursing her at night, you know, because she's like five, six years old. But she's like trying to figure out like, damn, what's going on? Like, I want my mom and my daddy back, you know? Yeah. That was really hard. And, and oh, my God, I like just the nights of just being in my condo and just like having to just really buckle down and just be mom, you know, and just be strong, but still allowing her to be vulnerable and allowing myself to be vulnerable as a creator and just as a woman. Like it was a lot of nights that I was just like, what the hell did I just do? You know, what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, so you're feeling feelings of guilt, but you're still like, but no, I know that I have these gifts inside of me that just won't go away. And, you know, my ex and I have, you know, we really worked hard on co-parents. So he was coming up here and spending time with her and taking her, you know, for the week and weekend sometime. And, and, and so that would give me time to get back into the studio and be really creative, even though I had this full-time job. So now I'm working this full-time job. I'm going to the studio, maybe two, three nights out of the week. I have a full-time sitter who's coming to the house. You know, she's on salary now and I'm using, I'm exhausting my royalty money. I'm exhausting my work money to really immerse myself back into the industry. And it's changed. Yeah. And it, the climate has changed. I mean, I would go to writing retreats and sometimes our writing retreats would be like, oh my God, we would have food and like runners to go get us whatever we wanted and money would be there. You know, we'd get paid up front for our sessions and stuff. And now like you go to these sessions, it's like, man, no food. You got to pay for everything on your own. 2013, 2014, it was different because now all of the studios in Atlanta have been affected by streaming and record labels, not being, not making money off their catalogs anymore because digital downloads have taken over. Nobody's buying CDs anymore yeah. and so now we're going into this new world and so the record labels are being affected marketing companies are being affected um studios are being affected they're not getting paid so they're suing the record labels now you got engineers who are not getting paid and you know it was just crazy i mean yeah. and then atlanta had a lot of money just because of the culture here so we lost that too you know and and so 
yeah, it just was a rough time. And so I just plowed through it, though. I stayed consistent at work. I grew great relationships with the Radio One family. Shout out to Hurricane Dave and Miss Shanika and like everybody who taught me so much when I was there. Um, Ricky, Ricky, I will always appreciate and have respect for Ricky because at that time we were trying to adjust to this new role. They didn't even, it was like they created this role for me, but I really didn't even have all the equipment that I needed to like produce these epic videos and all this stuff that they needed while we, while we were in studio working on air every morning on his morning show. And Ricky was like, bump that. We don't got time to be waiting. I'm gonna buy you a camera, you know? And he like, he took time out of his schedule after the show and like had his assistant, like order me this badass camera that was connected to social media. And it was like all Wi-Fi hooked up and everything. And I just, that meant so much to me because he had no clue of what I was dealing with, with just transitioning from a single mom, you know, to this new city. And I didn't know anybody and just for him to really make a sacrifice and he didn't have to, you know? And so I I just always respect Ricky Smiley for that. And so, but anyway, long story short, so I, I, I actually started making my way back into music and just started building relationships again and got in touch with just all my old team, like my old, uh, my old business partner, Sean, who was working at Universal at the time, he had moved back into the city and we started working again. And then he moved back out to the city, just pursuing other ventures and stuff out, out of state. But, you know, I still had the connection and he had great relationships. And then I had a few other producers and songwriters who had great relationships too. So they're like, Tammy, you back in the city? Oh my God, come through, come through. So I just started just really, really working hard. And then I get a phone call from a university that they're using my YouTube videos. And these were just videos that I had just started in 2012 when I was still in Houston, helping people understand split sheets and like music publishing, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's crazy. I mean, if you, like, I mean, when you were 18, right? And Whitney Houston is recording your song, you're like, man, I got to figure this out, right? Yeah. So, so this was just stuff that people were always reaching out to me about. Even when I was in Houston, you know, married and like, not really doing music full time anymore, but I still had people calling me, like trying to understand like, yo, what is a split sheet? How does this work? You know, and all that stuff. And I was just like, let me just do a video on YouTube. That way, every time they call me or email me, I could just send this video out. I love it. I love it. And so this video just ended up like growing its own legs. And like, next thing you know, I get a call from a university and they're like, hey, we were teaching our music class about split sheets and we Googled it and your video came up. And we were wondering if you could come and speak to our class. You know, we'll fly you in. And I was just like, uh, okay. Yeah, and so from <laughs> there, I just started doing more videos and more videos and more videos. And it just became like a a hunger to a hunger for more people to watch, but also a desire for me to be able to teach and educate. And so um, that's what I started doing. I started educating. So I'm in the middle of like working a full time job, being a single mom doing my videos and going to the studio. And I was like, I got to start immersing myself into the culture of Atlanta because again, even though I'm here, I don't know a lot of people that are not within the network that I work in. And I should know more women in music. I should know more producers, songwriters, excuse me, that are on my level as far as like being a major published writer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I just started, you know, working, but still not forgetting about those other songwriters who may come into the business similar to my situation where they didn't have anybody to teach them. And so those videos really were like my way of giving back, you know, just 
just just showing love, you know, like, hey, this is what you need to do if you have any questions. This is this is how to understand royalties and different types of co-pub deals, or different type of publishing deals, including co-pub deals and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just started seeing that God was really moving me in the direction of education and empowering uh, people and helping people understand that it's not just about creativity anymore, but you also have to literally step into the lane of being both business minded and creative. You know, yeah. you have to use both sides of the brain. You got to use right? both sides of the brain. Yeah. So I started doing that. And then I joined, uh, became the founded member of women in music in Atlanta um, and uh, became a vice chair of like communications and marketing. And then I just started realizing that my time was up in corporate America. I mean, I spent five years in Houston, four years in Atlanta. I had managed 25 markets, you know, got to the highest of the highest salary that I could possibly get without having to move to New York. And I just didn't want New York to be an option. I didn't want to move yeah. and move, uproot my, my household again to another city if the opportunity were to present itself again. I mean, because I had just maxed out my potential. Yeah. Um, and then the entrepreneurship bug hits again. Man, right? You're like, it's like, time. Right. So then, what, so, so then what did you do? So then you started building this teaching business, right? Yeah. So I started building a teaching business. Um, I wanted to kind of learn more about marketing. And so a former business partner of mine, you know, really was like, hey, you know, you could come and join my marketing team and just kind of learn the ins and outs of it. Um, that ended up going uh, a little bit unhealthy and just not what I thought it would be. And mm-hmm. I parted ways from that, but I did learn a lot. And so, you know, anytime you lose something, it's a lesson, you know what I'm saying? There's a lesson in it. Always. And so um, I learned a lot about, you know, strategy. I learned about a lot about negotiating deals um, on a corporate level, uh, being able to go in and like be a shark. Um, I learned, you know, just to have poise and confidence when I'm sitting in a room full of guys, instead of me being in a supportive role. Now I am in a leadership role where I'm calling the shots and I'm, yeah. Although Tammy, I feel like you've been a boss since the beginning, since you sat down (laughs) with that, that guy from and said, Hey, this, this, this album's already out. You you spent all this money and you know what? I own this song. So what are we going to do? Because right. I want to own as much of it as Whitney Houston does, and you do. And they said yes. Yeah. You've been a boss the whole time. Do you think you forgot that maybe for a little I while? I think I did. I think, you know, I was just too young to really understand what was really happening. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand until after I became a full-time entrepreneur, which was in April of 2017, yeah. that I really, everything that we need is, is within us. We have it. But- life, um, distractions sometimes, and just Fear. not being around. You can get afraid. Yeah. yeah, I was just about to say, I was just about to say, not being around people who are going to empower you. And, you know, you start getting afraid and started, start looking at things like, oh my God, can I really do this? You know, and I, and I, I know that that comes from fear, you know, and yeah. that was when I faced my fear. I just was kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to have to make some decisions. Um, you know, I had dealt with a little situation too. And I just want to, I really want to highlight this too, because while some people wouldn't talk about it, you know, just as a woman, I have to, it's my responsibility to, uh, to highlight this because a lot of women go through it, but just really don't feel like they can talk about it. But I did encounter a situation while I was at Radio One um, with an individual who really made me feel objectified and uncomfortable while at work. 
And, um, and, and, you know, I think that was just like, I had already had an innate distinction and intuition that my time was winding down. God had already told me that I was going to be stepping out of this. There was something much more bigger than this, but that was like really what lit the fire. And it was just kind of like creep at work. huh? Yeah. It was just uncomfortable. It's just like, you know, I got to work with you and I don't want to feel uncomfortable when I know I do a damn good job at, at, at the place that I come to every day. And you also have to think about, it, you know, when you're working with people, you actually spend more time with these people at work than you do with your own family, uh, yep. you know? And I just was to the point to where I didn't want to be sexually objectified because of my physical appearance. I just wanted to be, you know, respected for who I am as a woman. And I wanted to be supported. And, you know, my manager in New York, Sam, he was completely supportive and completely like, hey, you know, this isn't right. We're going to be behind you. We're going to support you through this shit and you're going to get out of it and you're going to be fine. Now, whether you choose to stay with us or you choose to move on, you have my 100 percent support. And I did talk to our team, our legal team there, and they were like, we do not support this. They were completely supportive of me um, and my efforts. But I just didn't want to make that situation be the end of my relationship with so many remarkable people that are at Radio One to this day. And so instead of me making it all about trying to can somebody and take them down and all this stuff that could have happened, I gracefully bowed out and I left on a great note in great terms. You know, they threw me a huge party and was just sad to see me go and I was sad to leave. But just out of respect for myself, I couldn't put myself in a situation that would allow me to be under that type of, you know, um, situation situation anymore. You know, I just had to do that just for women. You know, it was just like, no, I'm not going to be dealing with that. And so, and just for my dignity and my own dignity. And then I have a daughter, you know, like at the end of the day, like what kind of, yeah, Yeah. what kind of example would I be setting to, to work in an environment that has me feeling like I'm less than, or that I'm, I'm, I'm not looked at for, you know, who I am in my work, you know? And so, and, and, and here's the thing. I didn't have to deal with that in the music industry. So I damn sure was not about to deal with it in radio, you know, like in in the music industry, a lot of my male counterparts respect me. I came in and I did my work and they looked at me as little sis and, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they empowered me as well and opened up opportunities and supported me in my efforts in music. And, you know, of course you will have people that try it, but you also have those people who will protect you and be like, nah, dude, she's not like that. Like she's here to work back off, you know? So I had those type of relationships in the music industry that I was very appreciative of. And I didn't have to settle and mess around and sleep with a whole bunch of people to get on. So I, I wasn't going to put myself in a situation um, in this other industry you know, and be subjected to that. So that was the end of that. And then I was just like, damn, I got to figure this out. So I started, you know, just doing everything that I already had skill set to do. I knew I did consultations for the music business. You know, people were always DMing me and I would just, you know, say, hey, go to my website, book a consultation. And I would, you know, run specials on those consultations. Um, I also started kicking up the skill again of designing websites, So I was like flipping websites for people and working with different brands 
small business owners to even corporate brands. I even did Ricky Smiley's website. You know, I met with his management team in LA and they were like, Hey, you know, we love your work regardless of everything that's going on or that happened. You know, so I, I redesigned his whole brand <clears throat> online for his official website. And, um, I just started working and just massaging those relationships. And then I started like empowering and being around more women who were in the business of business, you know, not just necessarily music, uh, but, you know, movie, film, uh, entrepreneurship, empowering, you know, even some faith-based companies, you know, just really getting around a healthy culture of women who are supportive and no hating going on. Everybody is just really trying to lift each other up, trying to lift each other up, you know, and, and having gatherings and stuff that support each other. And so that empowered me to, like I said, get a part of, uh, be a part of women in music. I was a founding member. We had a, 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 a great president who, has, you know, really she kicked things off in a major way for the city with, you know, with our support. And um, we started doing all these events. Right. And so at one of our events, we, we decided to do a creator's night and I had so many people who knew and were familiar with my story and, you know, they had watched my videos on YouTube. And I guess sometimes you just don't really know how many people know you, you know, until, Until you know, until like, it happens, right? Until it happens. You know, like, I would just have people coming up to me all the time like, man, I saw you. I know you don't know me, but I watched you speak at this event. Or, you know, you helped me understand split sheets. You helped me understand co- uh, publishing deals because I just got offered a co-pub deal. And, you know, you helped me understand royalties. And, and I'm like, wow, okay, great. Thank you. So they would come out to these events. And then there was this one company called The Labs that was a sponsor at the event. And they were actually set up. They had a table and I had been mixing and mingling and just kind of making sure net, I, I was networking with other creators, but making sure that the creators that attended our event because we hosted it, I was just really making sure everybody was comfortable. Hey, do you need anything? You know, we got drinks over here. Make sure you guys mix and mingle with other producers and songwriters. You know, just doing my thing, just trying to facilitate and create a supportive networking environment. And then I just happened to go over to the net, the, the labs table they had their whole display set up and I started looking at what they're doing. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys automate splits. Wait, You're like, wait people what? can like set up their profiles and put all of their information, what, like the PROs that they're with. And wait a minute, what? This is perfect. This is exactly what I teach about. You guys protect your intellectual rights, your intellectual property of creators. So wait a second, this is my jam. There we go. Yeah. I was like, this is exactly what I'm doing. And it's also something that I need to be aligned with, you know? Yeah. And so before you know it, like things had wrapped up with that marketing company that I had worked with, you know, but like I said, I grew from that experience and learned a lot. Things had wrapped up with, you know, me really wanting to just focus on my agency as a whole. Like I was like, dang, I'm really like, you know, flipping these websites and helping people with their branding and their marketing and like writing press releases for people and helping them with media training. Like this could really be an agency of mine, but I still want to focus on music. So let me see if I could like really get to know what this platform is about, because this could also be a tool that I teach you know, exactly. to help people really yeah. understand the business without them thinking that they're actually in the business because the whole time they're they're creating inside of this platform, not knowing that they're doing all the business as well. So I sat with the CEO and she was like, no, Tammy, I've been knowing about you. I wanted to meet with you a year ago when you were speaking at this con- at some conference 
And she was like, but after you finished speaking, you just got swarmed with so many people and I wasn't able to get through the crowds. I was like, well, if it's meant, then we'll link up again. And so literally we sat down and had a meeting at the farm, which is, you know, now where our satellite office is. And, um, and she was like, you know, I would love for you to join the team as a chief marketing officer to really help educate and get the brand out and, you know, just start identifying influencers and people who also understand this world because I come from a tech background, you know, she's like, I'm used to just building systems. I don't really, I know some stuff, but I don't really know it like you know it, you know? And so, you know, she introduced me to the team and everything just felt right. It felt right. And like I told you, I am a feeler. If it does not feel right, I'm not forcing anything. And so, you know, we, we negotiated a great um, situation for me to be a part of the team and it was just like, let's go with it. And so that's what I, I do now. Like, you know, the labs is, a, I mean, we are going to be the industry standard in working with or helping creators at the genesis of creation uh, protect their rights because this platform does so much. Oh my God. So like from the time you log in, after you set up your profile and put all of your PRO information in just to make sure that stuff is already set and put aside you start inviting people into your sessions and you guys can create in one workspace no matter where you are in the world and so because of that you're able to you know the producer can invite a songwriter to that session and the songwriter can they can sing their audio into the session or they can start you know, on their own little notepad within the platform, start jotting their ideas down. You can instant chat directly with the producer or songwriters that are that you also invite into that session. And in addition to that, while you're working and you're adding your lyrics in like bar for bar, you can choose drop and drag where you want the lyrics to go. So you can organize them if you're collaborating with other songwriters. And then while you're working, it's automating your splits for you. So <laughs> based off of your what? contributions. Yeah. yeah. So based off of your contributions, it's completely like doing the work for you. So you don't have to have that awkward conversation at the end of the session. Like who's going to pull out the split sheet, you know? Yep. Oh and man. So, and so now you have this whole, you know, creativity going on while business is being run in the back end and all of it is backed by blockchain. So now you have all of this activity being tracked and it's being, you know, added to the blockchain. And it's being time stamped and you can see the activity from the time someone has logged into that project, from the links that they share, from who's viewed the links to who's actually uploaded audio, inputted and contributed lyrics, added audio of them singing. Maybe a musician came in and added like, you know, some stems of, you know, his guitar riff, whatever. All this stuff is being tracked in one platform in one project you now, know for somebody listening where can they where can they so is it, it what's the website called we'll put so the, the website, website in the show, show notes sure too. yeah sure absolutely and guess what it's 100 percent free for creators like what? i vouched for this i was like i told the ceo the rest of the team with cto i'm like look we have to create something that is just instinctual for them to where they know they have a safe place to come and create where they can protect their rights at all costs. This is what I teach on. So um, I rallied for it. We got free create free sign up for all music creators. Um, 
you do have to pay if you want to up your storage, like if you want to import your old catalog yeah. and all that. But just think about Dropbox, right? We yeah. don't really, we, we pay for the storage and, and the accessibility, um, but you can do so much in our platform for free that Dropbox can't do um, and that all these other tools can, can't do that, yeah. you know, you don't have to, like with WeTransfer, you don't have to have WeTransfer anymore with our platform because you can literally upload your file and then share that link. And we can actually see, you can see if somebody else has viewed that link outside of the person that you sent it to and shut the link down. You know, like it's so, 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 so tech savvy. It's crazy. Like it's, it's just such a robust, robust platform. So the website is thelabs.com. It's T-H-E-L-A-B-Z.com. And um, like I said, it's free for music creators and you can literally just and you can create your profile from the time you log in. There's going to be a tutorial you're going to go through. Um, we worked for literally from the time I joined the team in October of last year. We launched at A3C. Well, I joined in September. We launched at A3C. We went into beta in October. Um, and at A3C, had our first exhibit there. Our CEO spoke in front of um you know, a lot of tech founders and investors. Um, we were like the top five chosen out of like 800 companies. Wow. And um, we made the announcement. And from there, we signed up literally like 200 people in just two days over at A3C. And then from there, it ended up being a 4,000 pipeline of people from all of these different organizations that were like, no, we want our writers to come in and be a part of the labs, you know? That's huge. So now, yeah. what? now I got... Um... I got a question for you sort of uh in in closing like what mm-hmm. like what advice so like going back right from mm-hmm. say when you're 18 years old in that cheesecake factory in Houston to the present like for songwriters out there that are listening that are like what advice would you have given to yourself as you went like what what do you think like that you know now that you wish maybe you knew then Man, I would just say, man, be fearless. You know, like, I think with every setback or mistake that people make just going through life, it makes you, like, have this fear because you've already made a mistake and you're just trying to prevent yourself from making more mistakes. But you really don't. You have to change the vernacular of what that looks like because when you're going through and you're making mistakes, it's only to make you better. And I just really wish that on my end, I really didn't allow fear to set in because I had a few setbacks, you know? Yeah. And I'm grateful you took the time today to chat. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening. To learn more about Tammy, be sure to check out her Twitter and Instagram pages linked in the show notes. You can also check out her personal site as well as the labs through the links provided. We love to see your comments and questions about the show each week. If you're not subscribed already, you can get a new episode of The Big Break every Tuesday morning in your podcast feed by subscribing. And if you know someone that should hear Tammy's story, be sure to share this episode with them. Thanks, and we'll see you next Tuesday.